0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers
0: basketball. Mostly. Michael Kist, Benjamin Solak. It's the Kist and Solak show, presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak show. This is episode seventeen, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K I S T. As always, joined by the best dog on co-host in the game, Mister Eight Year Streak Without a Bad Day, Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S O L A K Ben. How you doing, brother?
1: Sad, Mike. I'm having a good day. <laughs> <laughs> Every day is a good to be alive but I'm sad man Tell the
0: people why you're sad cuz I'm sad too I feel you Cuz
1: we recorded a podcast yesterday and there was something that we recorded that like became news relevant and it was something else and it was like good like it, we did a good job and I was like oh man I love when that happens and then like 2 hours later Derek Gunn of NBC NBC Sports had the report that McLeod is a torn MCL mm. and would likely be out for the rest of the season accordingly. Uh, and we were just singing the praises of Rodney McLeod, a guy who like, you know, before the season, you know, you were looking at uh, places to save money and you said, oh, McLeod, you know, there's a big contract, 9.5 million hit coming up next year. like Maybe that's a spot. Of course, Philadelphia got their money elsewhere. McLeod stayed on, on the roster, at least for this year. But then with the way he's been playing and with what he's been able to do for the defense, he seems to have really taken a step forward in his game. Uh, for his season to be cut short is heartbreaking. And so we hope that's not the case. Uh, you know, Peterson and uh, the Eagles officially have not commented on whether or not McLeod is out for the season. Uh, they just know that he's not playing this week. But either way, man, Rodney sucks.
0: Sucks that his uh, his MCL obviously has some issues going on there, needed surgery on it. And it like you said, it hasn't been confirmed that he's out for the season. But the best thing I'm seeing out there is is 12 weeks for McLeod. Uh, so that's best case scenario. Hopefully that is the case, but it's not looking it's not looking too great. And I said uh, the report about him was pretty ominous when it came out that they needed one more test. There were rumors that it might just be a contusion. Pro football doc Dr. Chow said that uh, it, it looked like it was just a, uh, from the sounds of it, it was just a contusion. Turns out it's a lot worse than that. Uh, yeah, and uh, that means we get to see more of Corey Graham. That means that DeAndre Hall from Northern Iowa, the safety that we that we traded for from the Chicago Browns, uh, seventh round conditional pick. Go
1: read Mike's post.
0: Go read my post on him. Did a full report on him. It's on uh, It's on the timeline. I put it out there. Uh, but yeah, he, he only had six special team snaps last week. He may be looking at a, a bigger workload. I think he's capable of it. I thought he played uh, well in the preseason. His issue has always been getting straight in the off season or off the field is where he's had a lot of his issues and the Bears just finally gave up on that they gave up on the player or the person before they did the player the, the on-field product is fine Ben I mean where do we go from here do we do we play more nickel because of that because we're playing a lot of three safety sets obviously now if we, you know we bring up Trey Sullivan it's not going to be the same impact that we had before how do we hide Corey Graham? What does that change for you as far as what the defense needs to look like from a, from a deployment and schematic standpoint?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest increase in snaps probably does go to Sidney Jones. And yeah. not to say that Sidney's been taking a low number of snaps because he hasn't. Uh, but simply at this point now, when you are in your base, which is nickel, you're not going to be looking at three safety sets nearly as frequently. You're going to be almost very heavily in three corner nickel sets, the more traditional nickel, if you will. Uh, Now, does that mean that you have to play exclusively single high because you want to be keeping Malcolm Jenkins down in the box? No, it doesn't, but that's very likely what you're just going to see predominantly. The main thing that this does... Is it just limits your your versatility, right? And that was what we talked about. Is what I wrote about. Is what we talked about when we said why is McLeod off to such a hot start this season? It was simply that because McLeod was being moved from that deep center fielder position more so this season than we saw in previous seasons. Philadelphia had the freedom to do more things with the defensive back five or the back seven, whatever you want to say in terms of coverage shells. And in those variations, in those changes, they were creating big turnover-worthy opportunities, right? You know, when we were highlighting a lot of the near interceptions and actual interceptions do not come from the Eagles' cover three shell. Rather, they came from when Philadelphia shifted out of it. Do you have as much freedom to shift out of it? You don't uh, because Corey Graham is not a guy that I think you can really trust anywhere uh but if you're gonna trust him somewhere I don't think he's a guy you can necessarily trust so much in like man coverage on tight ends the way that you know McLeod and Jenkins you felt comfortable leaving those guys in man coverage if you had to how much do you like Corey Graham as a deep center fielder Mike I just flashed back to that Kareem Hunt touchdown against Kansas City in week two last year where Corey Graham (laughs) took one of the most offensive angles I've ever seen coming downhill right and everyone's like this is bad about Jordan Hicks I was like what about the dude behind Jordan Hicks
0: (laughs) I do remember that now.
1: Yeah, Graham is not a player in whom I have a lot of trust. So uh, with DeAndre Hall, uh, a guy who's got great size and length and whatever, if he can become a a more reliable underneath defender, man defender on big tight ends or whatever, cool, but you're really banking on, that's a long shot, you know what I mean? And so what you're likely going to see then is uh, still Mills and Darby on the outside, Jones on the inside. Jenkins, and Graham being the base nickel, Graham will stay pretty consistently in deep middle or deep halves, uh, and, and Malcolm Jenkins will be the the only safety they really want to bring down to the box. They do bring Graham into the box a lot, but if you're bringing Graham down, if you're bringing three safeties onto the field, it's Trey Sullivan, Graham, and, and Jenkins, and there's no way you're playing Sullivan deep over Graham because Sullivan is, is, is a stronger safety type. That's just the way his build is. That's where his, his talent lies. Now, you will hear... And I'm sure, Mike, you've gotten the questions. I've gotten the questions. Jalen Mills, safety reps. Rasul Douglas, safety reps. These players, th- Those players haven't cross-trained at safety. They've not taken any practice reps there. And so
0: that's – That's some serious on-the-job training right there if they were to do that because yeah. they haven't even flirted with it yet.
1: So like while Jalen Mills and, and Rasul Douglas are playing deep thirds when they're in cover three, we're talking about drastically different run-fill responsibilities – massive changes in terms of what happens uh, with pre-snap motion, right? So, like, even if after the snap, oh, like, you know, deep middle, deep third, what's the difference? Yeah, well, before the snap, fitting within the scheme of the defense and not giving up free yardage via miscommunication, it's just, it's very difficult, nigh on impossible to ask a player to just do that. I I do not anticipate seeing Jalen Mills or Rasul Douglas taking any safety style of snaps, even though those are two players that Eagle fans really have their teeth in the idea of one of them playing safety in the future. And, you know, like Jalen Mills was a safety when he was a freshman at LSU. But just because he did it six, seven years ago doesn't mean that he can start doing it now. That's the yeah. situation.
0: It's, it's a lot easier on Madden to switch guys to safety than it is in real life, especially in the middle of the season. So I doubt we'll see anything like that. Obviously, the next question is, are we looking to trade for a safety? I know there's a piece on bleedinggreennation.com right now. Uh, not exactly sure who authored it, but it was 12 safeties that the Eagles could look at bringing in. So go check out that piece. That was
1: BLG, may, may he prosper, prosper and rain. Rain.
0: So yeah, go check out that piece by uh, the highly elevated BLG, may, may he live, it forever. live forever. Ben, we might as well get to the rest of the injury report for the Eagles. Uh, th- this is the whole show, and uh, we've kind of gotten off track because this this breaking news with McLeod. The whole the the rest of the show after this injury report here is going to be a preview of the. Philadelphia Eagles offense against the Tennessee Titans defense. Yesterday, we flipped it. We did the Tennessee Titans offense against the Philadelphia Eagles defense. So today, we flip it around, and we'll look at some of the individual matchups, the overall feeling about the Titans defense, what they'll try to do to us. Before we get to that, obviously, house cleaning needs to be done. For the Philadelphia Eagles, did not practice. Alshon Jeffrey, do not panic. It was for an illness, according to the team. Apparently, he's still clear for contact, still good to go. Uh, Running back. Darren Sproles with the hamstring is still out. Jay Ajayi is back to full participation, and he revealed some interesting news that we'll get to here in a second. But also in that running back room, running back Corey Clement dealing with a quad. He was limited. And then wide receiver Jordan Matthews takes one week to land on the injury report here in Philadelphia with a hamstring back to Ajayi. He said that he has a fracture in his back and his ability to play apparently is going to be very dependent on his pain tolerance and if I had to guess it's a transverse process fracture which is something that Derek Carr the quarterback from the Oakland Raiders played throughout the season with but you know very two different positions when it comes to taking on contact as a running back you're getting at literally every carry as a quarterback maybe not so much bad news about Ajayi man like that's that's definitely I think at the very least it limits his snap count. It puts him on a pitch count just to kind of keep him nice and healthy and and feeling good. Uh, what do you think about this injury report so far, Ben?
1: Well, I, I, I want Darren Sproles back. This is the, like, you know, a Jai on a pitch count yeah. is okay, a Jai on a pitch count. A Jai was on a pitch count when he, you know, like first came, <laughs> right. if you want to call it that, in the sense that, that we've survived with a Jai sharing time. The thing is, you need a healthy stable of backs, right? Right. I just don't want to see Wendell Smallwood. But regardless... If Ajayi is a pain tolerance thing, well, then we have to ask ourselves how valuable are games in Week Five, Six, Seven, and 8 when hopefully the Eagles are going to be playing in Weeks 18, 19, 20, and 21. You know what I mean? And You obviously don't want to run that player into the ground. Of course, if this is like a long-term season issue for Ajayi, who already has knee concerns, so this changes the way you view him as a long-term contract player as well. So there's a lot going on with how you manage Ajayi's reps, yeah. which is tricky because... Uh, you want to run the ball against this defense, against the way the Titans deploy their, their scheme. You'd love to run the ball uh, quite well against these guys. So I anticipate seeing some Ajayi, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think that they'd be treating him as such if it were too big of an issue at this point. Uh, they're not that bereft of offensive talent just yet. Uh, but either way... I, uh, Ajay being on a pitch count isn't nearly the concern, uh, a big concern for me until you take Darren Sproles out of the equation. That's where it becomes a problem.
0: Absolutely agree with that. Okay, so Titans injury report. Let's go through the did not participate first. Offensive lineman Dennis Kelly. You can argue that he's never participated in a game of football. He was out with an illness. Stop. Running back. Uh, that's the second day in a row for him taking shots at Denny- Dennis Kelly. I don't think he's. I don't think he deserves that, but I feel good about it. Running back David Llewellyn Still dealing with the groin. Quarterback Blaine Gabbert has a concussion. In full participation, this is interesting. Marcus Mariota returns to full participation with that elbow injury that we talked about. Uh, Also, Jack Hocklin with the knee, which is a definite upgrade for them at right tackle because Panfield was out there on the right side. And I don't know if you saw it, Ben. He was bad, but he was also a guard trying to play tackle and uh, wasn't really a great spot for him. Uh, Also, full participation, Kamala Correa. With his back, Ryan Suckup was a full participant. Adoree Jackson with his concussion, Kendrick Lewis with his foot, and I think that does it for them. Anything stand out for you there? If I, I think, from what it looks like, it sounds like Mariota's elbow and fingers are, are starting to feel fine, which, which could definitely impact the way that the uh, the Eagles play the game on Sunday or game plan against him on Sunday.
1: The big thing that stood out for me is, geez, the Titans have Kamale Correa. No idea.
0: They traded for him. Yeah, yeah, bud. Totally
1: missed that. <laughs> Two things happened to me today. <laughs> Where I was like, wait, is that really a thing that happened? And number one is the Titans traded for Kamalai Correa. And two, Jack (laughs) Del Rio coached the Oakland Raiders. I totally forgot that was a thing. I guess it's just being overwhelmed by uh, the fact that John Gruden is now coaching the Raiders. But Jack Del Rio was like a kind of successful at some point coach for the Raiders. Either way, those are the two things that have blown my mind today. But yeah, no, Mariota being back, uh, Jack Conklin being back, Adoree Jackson being back. Boom. You know, the kind of the guys that were question marks for them coming into the week look like they're all playing at least the big impact guys. Obviously, there's no Delaney Walker. But yeah, the Titans should be at relatively full strength as far as that offense goes. And then having a Dory is also a big deal.
0: Yeah, and then they have Rashard Matthews was the news today.
1: That was the other thing. That's what, that's what I said. I said we were talking on – we <laughs> talked, when we recorded the podcast, I was like, I've heard that Richard is gone. And then after we recorded it, I swear, I swear to goodness <laughs> – Rappaport was like, "Yo, uh, Rashard Matthews is gone," and I was like, "Hey, Ian, how about you source me next time?" But no, we were fine.
0: Yeah, so that was interesting. I was listening to uh, uh, my friends in Tennessee radio today go back and forth about that, and it's in fact he was losing snaps anyway. He had, he had one target early in the game against the Jaguars. He dropped the ball on third and one. He had a three yard reception after that. He was playing special teams. He was losing snaps to guys like uh, Dar- what's his name, Daryl Jennings, if I'm not mistaken. No respect if I'd screw up your first, first name there, Mr. Jennings, and, and uh Tawan, Tawan Taylor, Taze Sharp, they were all winning snaps there. So he was on his way out. He had issues with the previous offensive coordinator, Terry Rubisky, and obviously it's not working with the new staff there for Resard Matthews. So he's out. Not not a very big impact whatsoever, but still news uh, for that section there. Okay, Ben. Let's preview this matchup let's do it. with the Tennessee Titans defense against the Philadelphia Eagles offense. Just, just first impressions out of the gate of this Tennessee defense as as you watch them. I know one of the things that, that I really liked, and, and even though they, they didn't get any pressure on on Tannehill in week one, they harassed Deshaun Watson in Houston week two, and then they were up and down a little bit against Jacksonville in week three. But overall, you look at some of the blitz packages that they bring to the table with solid covermen behind them. I think that they could have uh, – the, the Eagles have str- struggled with stunts and they run a lot of games with, with what they like to do. They'll give you a different looks before the snap. They'll send people from different directions and try to get themselves an advantage. And then when you throw in Harold Landry there, who they had on a, a bit of a pitch. Cat. He's more like a sub package guy for them as a pass rusher, but he's dangerous on third downs. Uh, I like what they do in the stunt games and the Eagles have had trouble with it before. That's the thing that stood out to me the most is us having to be sound in our protection Make sure that we're communicating pre-snap what's going on and what we need to do, who we need to pick up, and making sure that those are sound. What did you see, Ben, from this defense that's only allowing 16.7 points per game?
1: Dean Pease, defense coordinator, yeah, who was was the Ravens' defense coordinator, retired, and then came back as the Titans' defense coordinator. Very interesting situation. With, obviously, Mike Brable there as a defensive minor head coach. I love zone blitzing defenses they are like they're like a guilty mm. pleasure of mine I know they're not good for me I know they're not really like <laughs> good for the league and you and you shouldn't it's difficult to be very successful now in 2018 with the zone blitzing defense but I still just I can't quit them I love zone blitzing defenses so what happens <laughs> Tennessee's got we talked about interchangeable safeties Tennessee's got two different safeties that they trust to play pretty much everywhere and that's Kenny Vaccaro, who they picked up off the street from New Orleans, who's playing quite well for them, which is, oh, shocking. We yep. knew Vaccaro was good. And then they yeah. got the young uh, Kevin Beard, young Middle Tennessee State Kevin Beard, Kevin Beard uh, third-year player. Is it
0: Beard or is it Bard? I thought it was Bard. Kevin
1: Beard. He's got a Y.
0: Do you say the Y? It,
1: okay, so B-A-R-D is Kevin pronounced Beard? Bard. So B-Y-A-R-D it's not like a silent E situation, man.
0: You're, I, th- I think you're really like you're putting a lot of uh, like a uh, uh, butt into it. You're saying B-Yard, and I'm yeah. saying like "Bard." <laughs> All right. So Kevin, Kevin b
1: I'm re- I'm really questioning myself now. I'm going to hear it oddly <laughs> for the rest of the podcast. But Kevin, uh the Middle Tennessee State safety in his third <laughs> year. Uh is a great young player who a uh, big fan of him and the way he plays. So they're interchangeable. So what you can do with those two guys? And then also the corners, Adoree Jackson, who's a stellar athlete, and Malcolm Bubb is a great cover man. As you can flip, they give you cover two look, and it goes cover three, and they give you cover three, and it becomes quarters, and they give you cover one, and it becomes cover zero. And they they can move those safeties and those secondary men pretty much everywhere. And uh, nickel is the new base. Logan Ryan is a great nickel. So throw in the fact then that now you've got eh, not great front four. Obviously, you know Harold Landry. We'd like for him to earn more snaps as a rusher. Brian Aragpo is always like a, a disruptive guy. He's kind of like a bull in a china shop guy, but he's not. I'm not sure how much you can rely on him and Derek Morgan on a snap to snap basis. They got Drell Casey. Drell Casey's the freaking man. I'm not gonna take away from Joel Casey, but either way,
0: he's a bad yeah. ma'am effort. Yeah, for sure. So
1: you've got that front four. It's not necessarily talent ridden, uh, and then you lost Avery Williamson in free agency. So right now you're rock. You're rocking Wesley Woodyard. I was playing pretty well. Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans, their first round pick. Some nice developmental pieces, some positive guys. You've got some you know, veteran guys in Benny Logan and Wesley Woodyard and Derek Morgan and Brian Rackpo, and you've got Drell Casey's or Feature Piece, whatever. Your zone blitzing with those guys, Mike. Five of them on the line at almost every given time. Overloads like crazy. It's my favorite part of the zone. Like They'll have a nine tech, and everybody else is like either yeah. the opposite three tech or further away. It's just, what are <laughs> you doing? It's insane. Uh, it's like yeah. no respect. Nothing is sacred. <laughs> And you got five or six guys up on the line. you got linebackers hopping into the gaps, popping out of gaps. And you don't really know which way to slide protection and where the pressure is going to be coming from, and people drop. And then zone blitz defenses are very, very fun. Uh, What's the the weakness there? How can you attack them? Well, number one, uh, like I said, kind of in 2018, zone blitz defenses are harder to pull off because if you can execute a good spread style of an attack, Uh, A lot of pre-snap motion, a lot of quick screens, a lot of jet style like sweeps and swing passes and like a lot of that behind the line bubble screen ticky tacky stuff. If you can execute that well, uh, and the Eagles can, they've evidenced that over Doug Peterson's tenure, then you cause a lot of problem for zone defenses because you're basically asking 300 pound defensive linemen to like get into the boundary and cover running backs and tight ends. And it's just very difficult. So Philly should be able to attack it. But. This, is, this always has the potential to be very disruptive, has the potential to generate a lot of turnovers because of the amount of rotation that happens in the back. So it's an exciting defense. It's fun to watch just from a pure schematic standpoint. Thankfully, we'll handle it, but I appreciate it regardless.
0: Do you think that as far as the offensive line goes and you look across the board, I think with you as far as not necessarily worrying about the individual matchups, I'm more worried about the stunt games and, and picking up some of the blitzes that they have, but... Derek Morgan, Brian Arakpo don't necessarily concern me against Lane Johnson and Jason Peters. Inside, what I'm trying to do, if I'm the Tennessee Titans, is find a way to get Jarrell Casey on Steven Wisniewski and see if he can muscle him around a little bit. And, and run stunts to that side because the, the Eagles got beat up by stunts a little bit last week against the against the Colts, and I felt that there was a lot of defensive holding happening there too that was causing that, well, that was, was going uh, on call. They, they complained about it. They <laughs> talked about it.
1: Uh, the, the players talked about it after the game. They are like, yeah, they held us all the time. The only reason the Eagles survived that fourth down play was because Lane Johnson got held a little bit, like maybe this much, <laughs> and Lane threw his arm back and kicked up into the air and threw a hissy fit while well, he's getting held. Oh, that's and right. And he drew the penalty, which hey it's yeah, that's what you gotta do. I don't hate it.
0: Hey you gotta sell like a wide receiver or you know a defensive player getting held and then you know you gotta do what you gotta yeah. do. I'm not worried about the individual individual matchups, just you know, four V five getting pressure even if we have to pick up one of those one of those rushing linebackers. However, I will say if it's uh one of the smaller guys like Darren Sproles and Corey Clement and they have to pick up Rashawn Evans. I remember what Rashawn Evans did to running backs that tried to pick him up in blitz pickups in college, and it was nasty. So overall, you're more concerned, I think, that, uh, same same as I am. Just the blitz packages and making sure the protection is communicated beforehand, not getting caught out by stunts is definitely more important than uh, or more worrisome than the individual matchups.
1: Yeah, and, and when it comes to running backs and pass protection – in general, right? You love to get the, the matchup with them because most of the time your rushers can going to blow them over. But the best rushes you get is when you force a running back to make a choice because a running back isn't a guy who has the mental schema for being installed within a, a group unit, that offensive line unit in terms of pass protection, right? So he doesn't have kind of like a gestalt mindset. So what what I think you love to do as a zone blitzing defense, number one, and number two, what Vrabel and, and peas are able to do quite successfully is get that halfback to step up into an A-gap, to, to deal with a linebacker closing from depth, to deal with one of those green dog style of – or not a green dog, excuse me, like a, an eagle, double mug sort of a situation. Right. But not only do you get him to step up into that, when you run stunts with that attached, then you're now forcing that running back to become part of like the offensive line shifting, right? So multiple times, I noticed it a lot against the Jaguars. They would uh you know send a linebacker as a blitzer, but he would be like the crasher in a stunt, right? Oh, he'd, yeah. be pin, he'd be the pinman he'd be the pinman. And so what you're doing is that that running back is keying the linebacker. That's what he does, right? That's his job. That linebacker comes crashing onto the A-gap, the running back goes to take him, but all of a sudden the defensive tackle and the B gap comes looping over, the guard goes to shift, right? I'll take the pin or you take the looper. Running backs don't know how to do that. <laughs> of this offensive line drill right they have no idea yeah. they never they've not betrayed this and so you get you buy yourself a free rusher in that regard and so exposing running backs and pass protection is even more than a physical matchup and absolutely Corey Clement is a good pass blocking running back no running back is built to handle you know cross dogs uh, including Jarrell freaking Casey who's like yeah. the most flexible defensive lineman in the league at 305 pounds and it's just you know it, it, they're, they're not built for that and Corey Clement nobody is
0: yeah, and I did see. I know exactly what rep you're talking about with uh, with uh, against Jacksonville. I actually have it up on the on the timeline. I put the vid up. It was Wesley Woodard oh, yeah? coming in as the Smasher, and he takes out the running back and the guard with him. And then it was Derek Morgan coming in to uh, to hit Blake Bortles, who ended up misfiring, which he was misfiring for a lot of that game, and his receivers oh, couldn't catch no. anything, and they were just a bad offense. They were so bad. Just a real quick moment here. For the Jaguars offense, rest in peace, because that performance after the New England game was so bad. Did you did you see their wide receivers in the first half? And then did you see Bortles in the second half? It was like, how is this offense ever going to score again?
1: Listen, <laughs> Leonard Fournette, 35 carries every game. This is not a fantasy-related tweet or er, <laughs> sentence. Sentence. This is not a fancy related sentence. Just are you
0: talking in tweets now?
1: Feed Leonard. Feed the beast.
0: Moving on to some of the secondary matchups that we are going to see. Jordan Matthews. Yeah.
1: <laughs> 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 what?
0: So, sorry, sorry. It's just, I mean, yay. That he's sounds like a,
1: some Adventure Time nonsense, man.
0: <laughs> he's a he's an average wide receiver dealing with a hamstring injury already. You don't really know how much he's going to play. I hope Alshon comes back. If he does, then he's probably going to see, uh, I think it's a lot of a Dory Jackson in that situation, playing him outside against Dory. If it's Matthews against a Dory Jackson, Matthews isn't doing Jack all day. Nelson Aguilar in the slot against Logan Ryan. I like that matchup. Other than that, Kamar Aiken, I really put it down to Kamar Aiken, Jordan Matthews against either Malcolm Butler or Dory Jackson. You might as well just shut down the outside passing game unless you're moving a tight end out there and you can open it up that way like they did against the Indianapolis Colts. And I feel the way that they deploy their coverages is very similar to what the what we saw from the Colts but it's more of a cover 3 shell than it is a cover 2 shell. They like to play some soft zones, they like to keep everything in front, and they like to come and swarm and tackle is is a lot of what I saw. And they've got the coverage guys to do it. They're a little bit more dynamic with the talent in their defensive backfield and they can do a little bit more than the Colts did, but the philosophy is the same and the Jaguars tried to attack it vertically, it wasn't happening. They couldn't move the ball. Same situation with the Colts. You got to be able to, you know, pick them apart, move the ball downfield. Uh, it might maybe take a shot every now and then, but they're not going to be readily available for you they're not not a very risky defense unless they're coming on those blitzes you need to get those big plays when those blitzes happen by picking them up because other than that you're really not going to get those chances what did you see from this tennessee titans secondary then
1: I, I have a, a point of umbrage to take with you the eagles should not move a single tight end to the outside in this entire game in my opinion never Go even
0: once i'm just okay here's the only reason why i would do it i'm not moving that Tell tight end me. out there to go face a Dory Jackson because I feel like it's a better matchup. I would rather waste a Dory Jackson by playing Jordan Matthews if they move a tight end out there and they get a linebacker out there with him. Now we're talking a little bit, but Mike, I still do like the tight ends better in the slot. That's not if you want to open up the outside okay. passing game, you're gonna have to do something because it's not happening with those two guys. Period.
1: No, what I'm saying is I don't think they're they're like they're not think they are they like they are not going to play enough man coverage. I think to get linebackers consistently matched up on tight ends and one on one situations outside. I agree, That's right? Because you would be bananas to be like, all right, we've got a Dory Jackson, and Malcolm Butler facing Jordan Matthews, Nelson Aguilar, and Kamari Aiken. We should probably, you know what I mean, like like man on man, like these guys. You know, we got like one on one, and then leave Wesley Woodyard and Jalen right. Brown, Rashawn Evans on God and Earth right? Like, right, right, right. Sure, right, right. if you take. had plus, if you had plus linebacker tight end matchups, you'd be like, heck yeah, this is a lockdown situation, guys. Here we go.
0: You know what, I, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking that because uh, I'll give the Titans linebackers some credits because this is not third linebackers Ayer Franklin out there that we're just going to pick right. on or Anthony Walker or something like that. Their no, linebackers are a little bit better than that. Um But at the same time, I'm not manning them up w- with those two. That's not my game plan. Uh They're definitely going to get Vaccaro involved and, and, and Beard involved with, with covering those guys.
1: Right. When it's man coverage, you should anticipate, in my opinion – uh, obviously, Adori Malcolm on the outside. Uh, you get Logan Ryan on a slot if it's an 11 situation. Uh, mm-hmm. You get Kenny Vaccaro as one of your main guys, and then Jay on Brown, the fifth rounder, UCLA uh, linebacker, yeah. who they have as their, their nickel style of linebacker. That's who I would expect you get. Even then, I think Ertz on Brown is, is is a push. Ertz, I think Goddard on Vaccaro slash Logan Ryan is a push to Goddard. The thing is, and I'm talking about the zone blitzing ideas, Because of the nature of the drops you get on zone blitzes, in the underneath areas, you immediately scheme yourself out of coverage. And the goal is to keep the quarterback confused long enough that you can spill and get your front seven guys into their coverage zones quickly enough. Think about, you know, you, you watch the Eagles. The Eagles have four down linemen. Uh, and then they have there, uh, you know, three linebackers or two linebackers and a nickel, and they got their uh, their their two corners are going to be off. They're going to have one safety down in the box, one safety in the middle of the field. This the 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 shell looks like cover three before the snap, right? Right. It's it's irregular, not. You know, like a, a majority of the time, uh, but still, you know, compared to NFL defense relatively, it's irregular for the Titans to be in their post-snap coverage shell before the snap because Correct. of how much movement they do, right? Like, I've seen reps, Mike, where they moved from cover two to cover two. They just switched who went where, which like, okay, <laughs> you know what I mean, like, fine. Like, they, yeah. that, that's, that's 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 the thing that other teams do. I just don't think it, it makes a lot of sense, but whatever. So as a result, when you have those front guys spilling back and you've got defensive ends dropping into flat zones and you've got defensive tackles dropping into hook zones, which is a thing that they've done. Oh, yeah. In those immediate moments after the snap, your receivers have to be very alert to if they are uncovered in space, get your head turned. Ball is coming your way, right? It, you gotta hit green very quickly. That's why I said like sweeps and screens and and the and the jet motion oriented offense is very valuable because yeah. when you incorporate pre stamp motion against the zone blitz, right? Number one, the zone blitzers are going to have to adjust into which gap they come through uh, because they do have to adjust to strength the formation because of the threat of the run, right? They can't just stay where they previously aligned before the motion, and so when you force them to change what gap they come through, you're likely making longer paths for the droppers, right? Because you're moving guys around from where it was on the chalkboard, and the chalkboard, they draw it up the most advantageous way they can, right? So pre-snap motion is great. Uh, When you work those, uh, like the, the, the flats and behind the line of scrimmage into the boundary, what you're basically looking at there... Is Some of those linebackers are going to be coming. They're going to be closing. Those areas, they're not going to be able to buzz to them very quickly because they didn't align five yards off the ball in the usual spots. They were up in the line of scrimmage. So you get those little swing passes going and then to the point with the tight ends. You have all those linebackers running around. You have them coming to the tight ends, coming to the seams at disadvantageous angles. And you have safeties spilling into and out of various seams as they rotate coverages. You have to be heady and be careful because you don't want to throw into a rotation. You're asking for a pick six. The ball is going to fall right in somebody's breadbasket. But when you can throw behind a rotation to the area they spill out of, we talk about, you know, they're blitzing from the, the offense's right. Well, that means the defense, the offense is left. Those defenders are going to be flying to the right. So you got to throw to the left. You got to throw to where those defenders are vacating. Hit those spots behind defenders. You got to be quick. You got to be very, very snappy. You got to know what you're looking at. It's why Blake did bad. Uh, you got to, you got to be very, very uh, <laughs> aware of the situation. Carson's good at that. Doug is very good at generating those quick throws. I have good faith in the offense to be prepared.
0: Quick question before we get to some of the predictions. We kind of skip. know that. We kind of skip past the running game. How do you feel this running game matches up against this Tennessee Titans defense?
1: Mike, I'm very glad you asked. I'm going to tell you why. The Tennessee Titans. I'm about to throw numbers at you, which is usually Ooh. the thing you do at me. So get ready; it's going to be exciting.
0: Well, while you're pulling them up, I'll say that the Tennessee Titans rank second in red zone defense. They're kicking butt in that area. So even if we do move the ball twenty to twenty against them, once we get to the red zone, we got to buckle up. We got to we got to play real good. We got to play real good down there. That's yeah. my my hashtag analysis.
1: <laughs> wow, good stuff. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I mean it's it's very I'm interesting. All right, um, Tennessee ranks 25th in the league defensively in terms of explosive runs allowed. This Because you have guys, you, you have all of your your gaps accounted for when you're zone blitzing, but you have guys coming from crazy angles, right? It's going to make it a little bit tougher to trap it to wham because it's not just the four guys you expect coming straight downfield. We're not right. going to see that as much. But like the crack toss from yeah, last buddy. week, yeah. Yes, in a big way, in a very, very big way, because you can run that into a blitz and into the opposite side of the blitz, and both will be equally successful. Again, getting the ball very quickly into the boundary, this is what we're talking about. And then pure outside zone, which obviously a uh, Ajayi's availability is helpful there, but they ran outside zone with Smallwood, and they ran it with Josh Adams, God knows why, uh, <laughs> successfully. Uh, yeah, against I the agree. Colts. So you you hit outside zone and again, ball quickly into the boundary and and the thing about inside and, out, inside and outside zone, offensive linemen are not coming to players. They're coming to landmarks, right? So it doesn't really matter what tomfoolery the defensive front seven is getting up to. Offensive lines going to the same spot. They've got yeah. to be able to think and to adjust on the fly as guys start and they twist but that's one of the best characteristics of the Eagles offensive line is that they're fantastic at dealing with that. They've been playing together for so long. So uh, I think that ripping off big chunk plays in the running game and Mike there were I can think off my head of five runs for the Eagles against the Colts that were 10 plus yards which is not regular like that is very very strong very impressive I, I expect to see a similar performance against Tennessee and I think it's going to matter in a big way too this is a uh Tennessee's decent uh, unexplosive plays against the pass obviously going to give up uh, some big ones but I think against the run they're going to be notably weak because of the nature of the defense you got to take advantage
0: I agree with you there So, I think that we are a plus in the run game, and it is very nice, unlike with what the Titans have, to have an offensive line with the athletic profiles to be able to do these fun zone blocking things that we need to do to operate our game plan. Ben, let's get to predictions. Right now, the line has moved to four and a half. The Eagles are the favorite, and the under is starting to uh, move, the over under is starting to move down a little bit. It's at 41 right now. What do you have?
1: Titans haven't scored above 20 all season. Correct. Don't know what it was last year, but I don't think that offense was scoring above 20 very frequently either. So I do not have a good deal of trust in this offense uh, to hang up the points. I believe we talked about this in the last episode, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Philadelphia's offense, obviously, you know, Ajayi's is a question mark and Alshon is a question mark. So in general, this is a game I would be staying away from betting because the Eagles offense could come out, with like two of their primary weapons or zero of their primary weapons. Like, you know, there's a lot of variance to yeah. go for there. You should anticipate the Eagles to win. I think the line movement does make sense. When it started at three, I thought it was going to go a little higher towards Philadelphia, and it has. Uh, I would still take uh, Philly against the spread if I had to make a pick. And then the over under with Philly on the road, it's a little bit more shaky, but I would probably still lean over in that way. I know I said over last week against the Colts. I didn't check the weather report, uh, so that's what led to that. But anyway, I would take Philly. Uh, I would take the points. I'm thinking a game sort of 27 to 17,
0: Philadelphia. I'm thinking 24-10, Philadelphia. I don't trust the Titans to score in the red zone very much. They may get down there two or three times and come away with one score. That's about the rate at which they're they're hitting it now because they're they're very very bad in the red zone, as we covered in the last episode. I think the Eagles are. I think the Eagles are able to punch through this this red zone defense that the Titans have. They aren't just gonna have a whole lot of opportunity. So it is gonna be somewhat low scoring. They're going to again and, and and I trust the that they have the right game plan against this defense like they did against the Colts and they get some better execution overall, not just from, you know, taking the penalties and everything like that, but also with Carson Wentz being a little bit cleaner. And I am looking at the weather report for Tennessee right now, and it's looking like 85 and sunny. Take weather shouldn't over. affect the game. <laughs> So, yeah, I'll take uh, 24 to 10, which means I am taking the under for the, the third or fourth straight game with the Eagles. And it's it's been pretty fruitful.
1: to be great.
0: I wish someone would be great and hit the over. I wish the Eagles would put up 40 points like they were accustomed to last year. And we could just move on from talking about how the Eagles offense is struggling, despite the fact that they have 17 weapons out right now, it feels like. So I'm taking the Eagles in this one, 24 to 10, uh, low scoring affair. Pretty uh, pretty boring game, just like a lot of the uh, Titans' uh, offensive drives have been, and that's just going to kind of drag the game down for me. Of course, I know a lot of Titans fans follow me. I am sorry I've been so harsh on your team. I am frustrated and emotional because I want this team to be good. I'm a Mariota uh, Mariota, excuse me. I'm a Mariota fan. And I wish they would get their crap together on offense and start running it in a more efficient manner and show some balls when it comes to their fourth down decision making. That's what I would like to see. So, excuse me if I've been harsh on your team. You know I love you guys. Thank you for uh, for following here on a, on a Philadelphia Eagles podcast. I appreciate that. Continue to give me crap online on Twitter and I will respond. And, uh, Ben, would you say goodbye to our gentle listeners?
1: I'm. I mean, sorry also, Tennessee. Listeners. You don't have to apologize for
0: anything, but it's on me. I'm putting this on me. Don't make it about you. Okay. This is my me. Well, I didn't
1: know. Yeah, I, felt like, I felt like i would be bad. Like, like, hey, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'd be like, screw you guys. This was the kiss and Solak show. Uh,
0: apologize to Teron Davenport or something. I don't know.
1: Shout out, Teron. I love you, Teron. Shout out to the Eagles beat reporter who will remain nameless. I apologize to you. Uh, because you just published a piece about one of the Eagles' corners playing safety, and I rolled my eyes in a really big way. Oh, no come
0: listening. on, are we seriously um, doing this? Like what? Dog. This is
1: the kiss and Solace.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, what are you doing, dude? I got There's it. So I'll no do interest the... in that. I'm sorry, I, 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 I'm derailing your whole send off. No, what? I'm, That's gonna, I'm gonna
1: do. I'll do like the uh, like the opener, like Michael kissed <laughs> and Ben Solace. <laughs> It's the yeah. Kisten so i like, Show. But that's what that's how I hear the intro. That's how it goes in my head. Oh yeah. Who called it baby making music?
0: Oh dude, that was some dude on Twitter last night. I love that comment. Uh, that apparently Hi. we get him in the mood with that opening intro with the with the music. So what do we call it? It's not a it's it's not a podcast. It's a mood.
1: It's a moodcast.
0: It's a moodcast.
1: Or my vote <laughs> is it's a pood.
0: It it's a pood. pod
1: and mood. It's a pood. I think that that. Sounds really professional and great. I want to tell my mother that I'm 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 recording a new pood tonight. I feel like she'd really enjoy that.
0: Maybe we need to make that a Twitter poll and people can vote on what it should be.
1: Listen, <laughs> us on Twitter with polls is a bad history because usually it's just us asking our fans who they like better.
0: <laughs> I like it because their their compliments are so genuine and they're awesome and we love them. And then There's we just come at them with unique.
1: Who hasn't seen it before? Goes like, "No way! Like I love you guys. Even the guys are both great." And we're like, "No Jews."
0: Okay. I love it. You got to put the <laughs> listeners through a, through a gogi, man. They got to know. They got to be hard and they got to be war ready for the bad times. <gasps> All
1: right, this is the Kishin Solak show here on <laughs> <laughs> Radio. Thank you Come for on. listening to the. Do you ever think that like somebody listens to our podcast and they're like, "Wow, those were really good football takes," and they listen to an outro and they're like, "These guys are idiots. There's no way any of that was true."
0: So well put together for the first thirty-five minutes, and then what is happening here? Who are these people? That's that's what's uh, that's what's hopefully going on. I don't care, uh, man. I believe we'll put put it all out there. Put the personality. Professionalism yeah. is not linear. I can't talk. It's
1: exponential Pref- decrease. All right, Uh, this is the Kiss and Solak show here on BGN Radio. We hope you had a good time as much as we do. Uh, I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. He's Michael Kissed on Twitter, at Michael Kissed NFL. That's K-I-S-T. Rate, review, and subscribe, BGN Radio. On iTunes and all your podcast listening apps, Uh, five star ratings and reviews only, please and thank you. Of course, we are right around 450; about 50 left that we need to get in order to hit that 500 benchmark for ratings, uh, which would be super duper thrilling. Uh, We do hope that you guys enjoy it, and we always do read your feedback, uh, and then sometimes we read it out loud and we think it's funny. So leave funny stuff and leave your Twitter handle as well. Uh, you'll have the official Titans Eagles full preview show. Uh, that's John Stolness and uh, bleed, uh, not Bleeding Green, Brandon Lee out in
0: May He heat for rain. rain.
1: And so make sure you listen to that when that comes out on Saturday. Game against the Titans, and the immediate reaction will, of course, be coming from VGN Radio as well. We do appreciate you listening. Thanks for stopping by. We
0: all we got. We all we need. Fly Eagles, fly. I'm really starting to lean into those. You, s- you said that music, music makes you, like, really groove, right? Oh,
1: dude, absolutely. I'm just saying, you Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. My name is Bill Matz. I am the director of Fun and Games for Broad Street Hockey Radio Podcasts. And I
0: am Kelly, the deputy managing editor of
1: BroadStreetHockey.com. I'm Steph Driver, the NHL Editorial Manager for SB Nation. And I am Charlie O'Connor, Lead Flyers Writer for TheAthletic.com. And together we make up BSH Radio, one of the shows that you get at the SB Nation podcast family. We have a lot coming to you this year, and we want you to listen to our show. It is just an all-Flyers, all-the-time show, so much content. I really hope you listen to it. It is a great piece of the SB Nation podcast family, along with all your other favorite sports. We all love hockey, specifically the Flyers. Let's go the Flyers. The hockey team, the Flyers. More to-dos, less time,
0: and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on (laughs) mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products.